Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. And I am Ben. And we are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 89, getting closer to 100. I don't know if I've mentioned this or not, but I am trying to put together a little clip show. Some of our, our better, so not necessarily funny, but uh, more intriguing clips, such as your love of Carson Wentz and my love of Amari Cooper, among other people. Uh, and among some other uh, funny incidents that may have happened. So I'm doing my best. I'm hoping to have that out right around episode 100. There you go. So we'll see. But as for episode 89, good show planned for you today. Uh, People don't really consider this, but the impact of no high school or college sports is going to have a very – it's going to have a snowball effect on the level up above it. If there's no college season, it's going to have a snowball effect on the NFL, MLB, any sport. Same with no high school. It's going to have a massive effect, even more so on college directly. Right. We're going to get into that. Uh, some of the worst teams in the MLB. That's not what I put, though. Uh, you did not, but we're trying to keep it family-friendly. We try to keep it to as few swear words as possible in an episode, because otherwise I have to list it as not suitable for, for work or that's children, and that kind of really diminishes your download capability. Okay, that's fair. Um, some of our predictions, more so my predictions, earlier in the year, uh, especially the... Red Sox one is not looking so good. Uh, there is a lot of backlash over Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesac breaking protocol. Cleveland Indians pitchers who a couple weekends ago decided to go out with friends. Maybe it was last weekend. All these days just melt together these last few months, so I'm not sure. But some relatively close time ago, time period ago, uh, they went out and broke protocol, and uh, their teammates are not happy about that. We're going to have more on that. And Chris Woodward... Um, the <laughs> Rangers coach, I didn't even know he was anything to do with baseball anymore, apparently has a major problem with Fernando Tatis Jr. and baseball's ever, ever so sacred unwritten rules. But first, Justin Fields has a problem with not playing football this year. I would, too, if I were him. I mean, he is legit probably... Tied for first on being drafted number one overall with um, Trevor Lawrence. And there is a big difference between draft being drafted first and drafted second. Uh, more more so financially, not just prestige, finance. Right. And I think that this ties into the, um, the effect of the college and football seasons not happening potentially. It's, it's the financial impact it will have on the players going into – the pros. Even if you do this spring football, a lot of your juniors and seniors will not play. To explain to some folks out there who may not be familiar what spring football is. Well, it would essentially be like they typically do spring ball, but it's practice between, you know, inner squad uh, practice. Right. It'd be like with uh, Michigan, it's blue versus uh, maize or gold, if you will. Essentially, uh, split the team up and right. they'll play each other for you the, know, practice, yeah, and, right? And, and, yeah, they, they just practice against each other. Well, this would be different. This would be like an actual season starting in spring. So you're talking March. Do you do you remember what happens in April? Yeah, NFL draft. Correct. Even if you had were allowed to push it back to May, you're still looking at still playing while while the draft is going on. So you you think anybody? 
in those first, I don't know, estimated, projected, I guess is a better word, first two to three rounds is going to be anywhere near that field. No. If if they're doing just essentially inter-squad, or not inter-squad, but they're doing spring ball games that don't really have the same impact. No, they're going to get ready for the draft. They're going to make sure they don't get hurt. They're going to be securing their future. They're not going to worry about this. And 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 look at it this way. The TV coverage you could potentially get will be down because if everything follows through, I you could argue two of the top Power Five conferences, I would question whether or not they're going to play, and that's the SEC and the ACC. Just because they're they're planning on playing a regular season. So now those players are going to have a leg up. So you could look at the draft and see the top four rounds littered with SEC and ACC juniors and seniors. So for the SEC, it'd be like any other year, essentially. It would be any other yeah. year, but it would be just a little bit more. Right, right. And, but you have other opportunities for other players to get drafted, whereas you're looking at juniors and seniors might not play because, oh, well, I'm projected to be a second or third round pick, so I'm not going to play. Yeah, why am I going to take that chance? But then that second, that second or third or fourth round pick that was potentially coming from Florida State, let's say, just got a bump because he played his entire season, but he played in fall. So now you're a guy from the Big Ten, and you just got bumped down like two, three rounds because you didn't play the spring ball, and you didn't play in fall, and somebody else did play in the fall. It's, there's a domino effect here. And to dig deeper, and, and I pointed out two people uh, in the, the call sheet, uh, the Pennsylvania State Representative uh, Jesse Topper. It's a pretty good clip. He's also a high school uh, college fo- uh, high school football coach, and he made a point that it should the decision should be on the families of the player, and, and that would incorporate the the player as well. And this is specific to high school, because not all these kids are going to be playing in the pros. Correct? Right. Oh yeah. Some of the, I mean, think about it, a lot of these kids. How many spots are limited? From you go from one level like high school level and as many college kids as there are playing that's still minimal compared to how many high school kids play like there's a step up and a lot of people get left behind so some kids rely on getting those scholarships whether it be a full or a half or partial or be able to showcase themselves to uh division two because you gotta remember there's division two there's division three there's not just Division One, so now you're you promoting yourself as maybe a potential Division Two scholarship player or Division Three scholarship player, and that has impacts because even if you don't go pro, you now have a essentially a free degree if you go through with your full degree. Yeah, right. If you do, you're supposed to to help your future. If you don't play, you're not going to get that showcase. And I didn't listen to the clip yet, but. Jermaine Wiggins apparently had a very impassionate speech about how if he didn't play his senior year, he wouldn't have had a scholarship to, I want to say it was Georgia, but I'm not 100% sure. But he, he said, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have gotten picked by a college for a scholarship had I not played my senior season. That's and, and Jermaine Wiggins, if you don't know, he played for the Carolina Panthers. He also played for the New England Patriots in the pros. Not a stellar, degree, not a stellar career, but now he's turned that into something else. Right. Mediocre career in pros to something else, and it, it all t- all ties together. 
so the overall point is you're affecting these kids' futures because, A, you can't figure it out, or B, you don't want to figure it out. You don't want to chance it. And, and, and Topper made a great point, is that you essentially, I, I, we understand legalities uh, and of waivers and, and all that. But he says, essentially, when you play football, you're essentially signing a waiver knowing there, something bad could happen. Yeah, you know, you know the potential consequences when you step on the field. And I think right. his greatest point was he said, we have an ambulance parked outside the stadium every Friday night for a reason. Oh, and I mean, if you get, that, and that's high school. That's high school. Like, if you get college, you have medical staffs. Even for Division II, smaller schools, you have medical staffs. Pros, you basically have a hospital in the, in the actual uh, stadiums that can do all. Almost everything except surgery, essentially, right there in the, at the facility. So, I agree with both both these people. I agree with with Rep. Topper, and I agree with Jermaine Wiggins. They're, you're losing opportunities if you don't play. And his, and and Topper's point was because apparently, either the uh, governor of Pennsylvania said no to football, or he suggested strongly no, and so did our beloved. Governor of Massachusetts came out strongly against playing high school football. Well, let's not get political on that. We, no, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, but here, here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, this is a lot of what people have their opinions on on COVID and what we shouldn't shouldn't do has become political, which is a lot of my problem with a lot of the um, precautions that are in place. Not the actual precautions themselves and being careful and being safe. It's Here's the inconsistency. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to bring you one. We're, we're going to stay on football, but just baseball real quick. Mm-hmm. What have every, what has everybody been told for the past four to five months? You have to stay quarantined for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you, if you have a positive test, you have to stay away from people. You have to have at least one or two negative tests. This is, if you don't, this is a major problem and there's, Worst case scenario, and this side politically has been hyping up this side and, the, and vice versa, using the people's fear as essentially a weapon, you know, against what real science can come in and actually tell us to actually help us get through this in an intelligent manner. Well, guess what? Baseball came out and said, you no longer require a negative uh, test after testing positive. I, I didn't say that wrong, right? What they're saying now, after months and months and months of telling us, this is like we have to wear masks everywhere. We have to quarantine for two weeks to a month if we even see anybody who has it. Is, well, more than likely, if you've quarantined for 10 days, you're good. And even if you have a positive test, you still probably can't pass that on anybody. You're probably not contagious anymore. You're fine to go play baseball. 14 days, t- t- start testing at 10 days. 14 days you can return with a positive test and still be with your teammates again. So you tell me who actually knows anything about this at this point. Because, because, and this is going to piss some people off, but I, whatever. The almighty Dr. Fauci is the one Major League Baseball consulted with on this. That's a good decision. The same guy 
who's been telling everybody, even if you're not sick, you should essentially wear a beekeeper suit in public, is now telling people, if you have a positive test, it's okay, 14 days later you can still play baseball, even if, even if we find it in your system. So, I mean, folks, this is obviously something we got to be careful of. But I think it's at a time now where we got to start making some decisions for ourselves because these people calling the shots don't know much more about it than we do. We got to start using some common sense. And that's and, I, and that's a good tie into what Topper kind of got around was we're listening to the experts. We're doing everything we're supposed to. The expert says you have to do that, this, 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 and this. And he says him and his boys did this, 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 and this. And they were told. They're going to be able to play if they do all this. Right. And they adhere to all the rules, social distancing, mask, all that stuff. He says, and now they're being told, oh, even though you did everything right, you're still not going to be able to play. What kind of message does that send to a youth? You did everything right, but you're not going to be able to play. Oh. Ironically, they get them ready for the real world pretty much uh, better than anything else could ever could on the field. <laughs> But no, in all, all seriousness, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, you know, these things were all in place and they were really, really smart for a while. And now it's at a point where it's like, okay, we, we follow these procedures, we follow these protocols. Now it's your recommendation to do the exact opposite thing you were telling us to do. And we're supposed to take every bit of it as gospel. It's like, you can't, you can't have, you can't tell us one day this thing you have to do or you're going to get sick. And then the next day, be like, no, you're good. Like, if you don't know what you're talking about, just just say that. Say, hey, guys, I'm in the same boat you're in. <laughs> and then we can all try to figure this out together. I think you're 100% right when you said essentially it should come down to the families. Hmm. If you have somebody at home who's high risk, maybe you don't play for that reason. If you're somebody you're going to be exposed to every day. If you don't and you're taking your proper precautions, there's no reason you can't have a season to play. There's just no reason. I understand if you don't want to have people, two, three, four hundred people in the stands, you know, side by side. I understand that. However, that doesn't mean you can't have people there spaced apart appropriately. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and Houston Texans announced opening game. They will have the stadium at 22% capacity. Some people came out. Instead of just being like, oh, hey, you know, that's good. People are going to be able to be there, going to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And, you know, but at the same point, you're being cautious. You, again, had two sides just jawing at each other. That is so irresponsible to have anybody there, says one side. The other side says, this is all a hoax. We shouldn't have, we, we should just pack the stadium. Who cares? And you're both absurd. <laughs> you're both absolutely absurd. That's kind of, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Because uh, was it today or yesterday? It was announced that there will be no attendance to any sporting event in Massachusetts until at the earliest late September. Yeah, and we know what that means. That means it's going to be sometime in October, probably, that it'll be allowed for any percentage. Uh, so now, the first two home games for the New England Patriots will be will remain fanless. And yet you have two other states, that is Texas and Missouri, that are allowing, at minimum, at most, 22%. Yeah. And it could go down. Could. And 
it could change. The government governors can make a, de a decision not to do it or what have you. But it just it tells you the inconsistency, and I will I will high point that, Chris. My previous job, yes, I just left my one job to another job. We won't go into where they are. The one, the job I left, I had to wear a mask. Not unless you pay us to advertise. Yeah, but they, they, well, one probably could pay us, but <clears throat> maybe down the road. Then welcome aboard. <laughs> um, but all I had to do was wear a mask and wash my hands. That was it. Which we were told for months is okay. Right. So. So the new job I went to. They gave us a mask. Obviously, you can wear your own if you want. I walk in the door. I have my temperature taken, and I've, I was asked five questions, five questions, five or six questions. And if I, I'm pretty sure if I answer any of those questions in a manner other than what it, what it expects for, um, for me to pass, I'm heading the other way. But I don't, I don't, here's the thing, I don't think that's unreasonable. No, but it, it, it models it varies, the, exactly. it models the well, inconsistency. Consistency, absolutely, it, it, yeah. But I don't think anything like that is, you know, no. is inappropriate. If you have, if you're, if you're uh, running the, um, the gate for the Kansas City Chiefs come opening day or opening night in, in NFL, and somebody walks in the door and they are sneezing up a storm and they are coughing and they look like death warmed over, you have every right to go, uh, hey, for public safety, we have to take your temperature. There should be temperature checks. Yeah. I don't care how long it takes. If you're going to have people there, be, be safe. I'm not. I, by saying it's both both political sides warring with one another, I'm not saying to not take it seriously. I think I've made that perfectly clear. Be cautious. Be safe. If we're doing everything we're supposed to do, and then we do that, and then there's 20 more things, it's like we're – we're not making decisions based on what's best for people anymore as a whole. We're making decisions based on, do I want to virtue signal this because I'm with this political party? Or do I want to say this is not true because so-and-so in my party doesn't think it's real? Uh, why don't you have your own opinion based on facts you find out? There, there are places you can find real information. Right. So, And does it all change in, I don't know, middle of November? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Which is probably gonna piss some people off too. But we've we've said that for a long time. We both feel that way. I think once a certain date in November passes, all of a sudden, uh, neither side is gonna care about this nearly as much anymore. And that leads us on to um, <clears throat> uh, some teams that clearly don't care about the season. Oh, yeah, don't, yeah, exactly, yeah. They probably wish the season didn't happen. Uh, wow. I, I mean, we can. Do we want to point out the the elephant in the room on your predictions? Well, I predicted. I showed faith in my my hometown Boston Red Sox, a team that I have cheered for my whole life and love, even despite the mean things I'm about to say. And there are a plenty of mean things I'm about to say about the Boston Red Sox. I still love you. This is tough love. But yeah, I, I predicted they were gonna. I think I predicted they were gonna win the division. They yes. were going to find a way to win the division. Yes. They were going to – the pitching was going to be better. Granted, that was a time when I thought Eduardo Rodriguez would be a part of the rotation. He unfortunately had some complications with um, heart issues after having COVID. So we wish him a speedy recovery. Hope he's okay. He won't be playing this year at all. But, yeah, that's um, – God, I mean, the, the Red Sox would have to improve just to suck this year. <laughs> If they were really, really bad, that'd be an improvement over what they are a 
abysmal. They are they look like they're just going out there and they don't care. The pitching is awful. Yep. Nathan Evaldi got a massive contract off of the twenty eighteen postseason. Yes, he did. That's it. That's it, it wasn't his performance during that year. It was how he did in that postseason. That's why he got that massive contract. Was it four for a hundred? Five for a hundred? A ridiculous number. I'm pretty sure it was like four or five for a hundred million. Way, way, way above what he's worth. The guy is not that caliber of pitcher. Chris Sale. I love Chris Sale. I think Chris Sale has as big a heart for a player as you're going to find. The guy gives a damn. He wants to win. I don't blame him. Chris Sale does not want to be injured. He wants to be on the mound pitching, helping his team. But you have to take into consideration a guy with his frame. He's not a he's a slender gentleman. He's not big of frame. He's not a a guy who a Bartolo Colon, who was not such a small gentleman. But there's mass there. His body can take the continuous rigors of throwing a ball right. ninety plus miles an hour couple hundred times a week Chris Sale once once you have a problem you're not going to be the same he started having shoulder problems was never really the same even in 2018 his first season with Boston I believe it was his first season with Boston 2017 I believe his first year okay so that would have been his second year with Boston. Yeah. yeah that's right he was never really the same came back and you know had a nice little run in the playoffs he did okay not great but okay he did close out the World Series, I believe. That was either him or Evaldi. No, it was him. That was him. He got and through it. Probably essentially blew what was left of his shoulder out during that inning he pitched. And then they signed him to a big-time extension. Not as big as we thought he was going to get. It's Honestly, if he was healthy, it would be a steal for Chris Sale. But now it's 100 to $125 million dead dollars, essentially, because he didn't pitch under that contract. He ended up having shoulder issues. Didn't want to get Tommy John. Didn't want to go in for surgery. Wanted to keep trying to rehab it, rehab it, rehab it. Gets to a point where if he doesn't get it, Tommy John's about a, about a year, year and a half recovery time for oh, a yeah. pitcher. Oh, yeah. Gets to a point where if he doesn't get it, he's not going to be able to pitch the entire following season. Still doesn't get it. Waits, 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 waits. And then they go, well, Chris Hale has a torn, I think it's a UCL ligament. He's going to have to get Tommy John surgery. So entire 2020, he's gone. Would have been, regardless of how long the season was, he wasn't pitching. Maybe he'll be ready for next season. Mm. I wish it well, because, like I said, he's a hell of a talent, and the guy loves the game. But I do not have high hopes for that shoulder holding up. You know why guys like Randy Johnson were were able to go and go and go, despite the fact they were slender? Smaller, not smaller, slender, but still had a bit more build to him. Yeah. There was there was more. I mean, he was a tall guy, but he had a little bit more mass to him, and he didn't have those injury issues. He never the injuries never crept their way in. Maybe and I think Randy also a lot of his because he was so tall, he came down, and I don't I don't know the specifics on his uh, mechanics, but I got a feeling like he used a lot of his whole body, or just not because I think Chris Sale uses a lot of his elbow. Uh, for the pitching action and that, like they talked about that when he was in Chicago, like this guy is is a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. And when we got him in Boston, it's like, well, he'll be good. I mean, he, he's gonna be good. He had a 
like 17. He was Cy Young caliber on his way. Oh, yeah. He missed five starts at the end of the season. I think Klubot got the – I think it was uh, Kluber got the award. But then it just it just trickled down the hill from there. Whereas, you know, Randy, I think Randy used a lot of his whole body, which is kind of what you want to do. You want to you don't want to focus on your elbow because that's where you get the problems. Well, same with Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez was not a big guy. He, well, he was he was more proportioned for his size. Right. But he wasn't a tall guy. He wasn't a heavy guy, but he used his whole body when he threw that ball. He followed through with his whole body. And he 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 morphed his his pitches as he went on. Like there was a time where we thought oh, Pedro was done, but he had a few good years with uh, the Mets, and he had I guess he had a year with the Phillies. Or yeah, that wasn't so great. It wasn't no. great, but no. he evolved, and that's oh, the yeah. key to right. evolve. But right. evolve. Verlander's done that. Right, Verlander's done that. I mean, he still throws hard somewhat, but he oh, yeah. evolved into where he'll pitch. You know, low nineties in the beginning of the, beginning of the game, and then he'll kind of ramp it up as he goes along if he needs to. Let's get into some of these other bad teams. I mean, Angels. and just to, just to put a pin <laughs> okay, well, in the yeah. socks. We what, what was the one thing we talked about when we previewed this season? What was the one thing we thought would would be indicative of who's going to win and who's going to lose? I don't know. Pitching. Well, yeah, it's always right, but I mean, we we. we 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 agreed on that, but I think this year was more so being like, so fewer games. Right. Yeah. Um, the Red Sox have a six point oh eight ERA as a team. Yeah, they're not good. I thought the offense would be enough to carry a mediocre pitching staff. Number one, their offense is not what I thought it would be, and their pitching staff is nowhere near good enough to even be carried. Their pitching staff isn't even mediocre. It's bad. It's very bad. Didn't you have Oakland winning? Was I believe I did have I did have I did the whole winning the World Series. They look like a freight train not coming off. I the told tracks. you, dude. A team a team like that gets hot on a short season. Billy Ball Billy Ball knows what he's doing up there in Oakland. So do the the other five teams. So we're looking at the Angels eight and fifteen, Mar- Mariners seven and seventeen, Pirates four and fourteen, Giants eight and sixteen. Which one surprises you? Which one doesn't? Uh, I look at the Giants. Giants are not a surprise. I don't think. I think they're they're in that. We're moving to rebuild. So Giants and the Red Sox kind of remind me are very similar to me. Yes, because they had a lot of prospects come up quickly. They thought were really going to be the guys that carry them through the future. And the Red Sox, I mean, they have Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts, who look like the two guys. The Sox are going to build themselves around for the next ten years. Yeah, hopefully. Giants have a few players as that like that as well. But they haven't really been. They're really good, but they're not superstar caliber. But that's all they have. Like their pitching staff just tanked. Their oh, yeah. pitching staff went from, oh, we got a couple really big name guys to, wow, who the hell is on the mound tonight? I'm really not surprised by that. Pirates. Pittsburgh has struggled to put a competitive team on the field. They had a few years there in Andrew McCutcheon's heyday. When he was, you know, an all-star caliber, MVP caliber almost player, they had Garrett Cole. They've had other really good pitchers who they've had to trade away. You know, they traded away a lot of offensive talent. They just they're pretty much just a breeding ground for some other team to pick a guy up who we can become a superstar there. 
like <laughs> Garrett Cole doesn't really, you know, he has a, a decent first couple of years in Pittsburgh. Astros trade for him. He becomes a superstar in Houston. Then the Yankees give him a mega contract, and now he's one of the top pitchers in the game. You know, McCutcheon probably had his best years in Pittsburgh, but he's been a pretty decent player, you know, wherever he's played. He's a, he's a, he's a talented guy. Yeah. His best years are probably behind him, but he's still got talent. Uh, they, either they can't develop their talent properly, or they can't develop more than one star at a time. You know, I remember, who was it, Sterling Marte? Yeah. Was he the other guy who McCutcheon and him were supposed to be like the, the, the head honchos in the Rome in the outfield? They were going to lead that team to the future along with behind Garrett Cole's arm. Yeah. And Cole's gone. McCutcheon's gone. I don't even know if Marte's there anymore. I'd have to. I'd have to I, I just don't know. I'm 50 50 on that one. And I mean, it's. it's There's all these players that go through there that just don't. For whatever reason, the Pirates system is not indicative to producing getting the best from a player that they possibly can. They don't surprise me. The Mariners? Once you you trade that closer. Yeah, I mean, you you traded away a front-line guy who you could have afforded to, you know, kept for a few more years to lock down your back end of your bullpen. You had some other decent arms there. You had some young up-and-coming talent. You traded them to the Mets. I don't get it. to, To do one thing. He did, they did what the Red Sox do. To get rid of Cano's contract. Right. Yeah. And that, that they really – they took a team that was kind of creeping along, building up, becoming good, and you could have gotten rid of Cano somehow and kept the other guys. But instead, you trade one piece, more falls apart, you trade the rest. Felix Hernandez isn't there anymore. He really dropped off after years and years of being one of the top pitchers in the game. I think the only team that surprises me here, honestly, the Red Sox. Well, obviously they surprised me, but I already said my piece on that, so I'm not going to pick them as my team. The Angels. The Angels surprised me. I thought they'd be better. You have the best player in the game, Mike Trout, uh, who, who is – he missed five or six games in a short season, and he's still statistically one of the best players in the game. Uh, you have what's supposed to be decent young pitchers, Good young pitchers. It just doesn't seem to ever pan out. You got Albert Pujols. I know his best days are way behind him. But the knowledge that's in his head is still there to help the young guys. That doesn't seem to be doing him any good. You got some other you know, talented utility players. They just can't seem to pull it together. And they're paying Mike Trout ridiculous money. He doesn't really have the charisma to be the face of the game. Talent-wise, he should be. Charisma-wise. He doesn't want to be. That's his problem. He kind of wants to just get a big-ass paycheck and then go home, which is fine, but they're paying you to be the face of the franchise and the league, essentially, and you're not. That's a problem. I don't know. The Giants, the Red Sox, like I just said, they're, they're in the same boat with me. Mariners and Pirates can't seem to get out of their own way. The Angels are a team that has should have been really, really good for the past five, six years that Mike Trout has really been the primary face of the game. And they just they can't put it together. Is is Mike Trout going to turn into King Felix? I and, don't know. And you, you know what I mean by that. An entirely wasted career of a top three player in that position. Arguably, well, Mike Trout's probably the top, top player. King Felix, at some points, was the, the most dominant 
Oh, yeah, you could argue a few years. Stop, sure. Starting pitcher. He was the best, yeah. And his entire career was wasted in Seattle. Yep. Is Mike Trout going to be wasted on this team that can't put a, can't put a roster together? And this is like the what this at least the second, if not the third GM for Mike Trout, and they still can't put a, a team together because they wasted money on Albert Pujols. Well, guess what they did this off season? They went out and burned. Seven for two forty-five on Anthony Anthony Rendon. Yeah, and what's that going to turn out to be? We don't know. He's thirty years old right now. It contracts don't age well. We know that much in baseball. So I, I don't. Seven for two. They could have taken that and put it towards a frontline pitcher. Oh, they they got a pitcher, Chris. They they signed Julio Tehran to a one-year nine million dollar deal. Awesome. That's what hey, they did. So Garrett Cole is also a free agent. There would have been the money to put. They could have gone over the top with him. They said, well, we have Pujols. All this money's coming off the book soon. We have Mike Trout locked up. We want Mike Trout. We could have had, arguably, I don't know if you can say Garrett Cole was absolutely the best pitcher in the game, but he's up there. He's in the discussion. Arguably the best pitcher in the game. He'd be an improvement over what they have. Like, Garrett Cole on three days rest is better than anybody else in the Angels rotation, without question. And I, I I will... I'll die on that hill. And then you have the best player in the game all around, Mike Trout. Well, unfortunately, the the Angels have one more season with Albert for $30 million. Yeah, but it's coming off the books soon. But it's coming off the books soon. You could take that hit. You could have made it work. You could take I mean, I understand the atmosphere we're in. I understand that. But we weren't in that atmosphere during the signing period, correct? No. We were not there. No. No. You could have made this calculated gamble, say, you know what? $30 $30 million because coming off the books after the 2021 season, we sh- that that money shifts to Garrett Cole. We don't, re- we don't put any investment in anybody else. We don't invest in Anthony Rendon. We try to – because Anthony Rendon is going to age, I think. Anthony Rendon looks like the manager at every Applebee's. There you go. Perfectly said, Chris. Well, by the way, there's nothing wrong with him. I'm not knocking no. that. But, like, he looks like – he just looks like you're like, I don't know. He's I look gonna, at him and go, that's a star. He's going to turn into Albert Pools. Eventually, he's going to shift into the DH position because he's not going to be able to play this position. Like, that's not that's not rocket science. That's just that's just typically what happens with an aging third baseman or first baseman. They just don't have the mobility. And in the hot corners, you need mobility. You need someone to be able to stretch, be able to react to a baseball because if he's letting balls go by him because he can't quite get there, those are doubles and tri- potentially triples. But most part, most stadiums you play in, double down the line, you're in trouble. Well, it'll be interesting to see where those teams end up. But speaking of trouble, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak found themselves in a bit of trouble, like I said, I believe last weekend. All these days melt together. Sorry, folks, I should know that, but I just lose track of time these days. And I really, I really don't know. I only know what day it is when it's like, oh yeah, we're recording tonight. Cool. Um, they went out, broke protocol. Yep. COVID protocol, um, which is stupid. As I said, uh, neither of us is against being safe. We're just against misinformation and scare tactics. Uh, but MLB has agreed on a certain set of protocols, and they're getting a paycheck from MLB, well, from their team. And they broke those protocols. Not only were they both sent home, 
uh, I don't know if uh, Clevenger was sent down to the minors or is the alternate training site, as they say, uh, in 2020. There's conversation. But uh, Zach Plesak was. Oh, yeah. There's conversation that uh, Clevenger might get yeah. sent down. And it's going to affect a lot of things. We're not going to get into contractually, but it could really mess with Zach Plesak's service time. Both of them. Oh, uh, the, 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 I, I read an article that the math works out. It it will put a year of uh, of extra service time on each one. And I don't mean extra, but I mean like. Police like was on schedule it, to be a super two. Right, he was he was definitely scheduled to be a super two, which would put him four years of arbitration, which is big money. But it will also push each of their free agent years ahead one season. So instead of twenty twenty, I think twenty twenty four. Or twenty twenty five. I don't remember. I just know what it what it was going to be. Add an extra year, and as we've discussed with, uh, about the baseball contracts, structuring service time that is going to be huge. Now that could all be pointless with a new collective bargaining agreement. Good, but as of now, that's how it stands. And a guy like Plesac, who was a little shaky last year, but still looked pretty good, was on fire this year. I, I drafted him late in my fantasy baseball league, late round pick, which, by the way, I can keep him next year too, so I'm, I'm looking pretty forward to that. But I have him, and he was killing it. I mean, this kid was, I think he was ranked, like the, he was like the third or fourth highest ranked pitcher through like three or four starts. Absolutely killing it. If he was a super two, there was no way – he didn't get an extension that was worth at least $20 million a year. Absolutely. He probably cost himself, if he does not end up being able to be a Super 2, which it's looking like he won't be able to, which Ben mentioned already knocks several years of arbitration off the end after your contract before you can become a free agent. Uh, if it doesn't make any sense to you guys, try to Google it. Try to figure it out. Baseball contracts and how they end up is just it's a mess. So we'd spend an hour trying to you know explain that to you. But he essentially probably cost himself, uh, I'd say minimum, eighty to one hundred million dollars, just because he wanted to go out one night in Chicago and get dinner instead of clearing it with the team official. And that's if he were to get there. He might not even get there. Like this could be this. I'm not saying it is. A, it's going to be the roadblock, but this is one extra roadblock you have as a starting pitcher to put in your way, and. He may never get that opportunity because what happens if, if he and I know I I'm throwing a lot of ifs out there and we can go to fantasy land for a quick second, but maybe he hits a super two. And he got his big contract this off season, in spite of what's going on. They said, you know what, we we need to lock you up because we don't want we want to essentially buy free agent years by giving you the money now. And some, some players take it, some players don't. Xander Bogarts took it, Mookie Betts didn't. There's a difference. Both of them got their money. I don't we think... We got a little more. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We'll get a little bit more. But Xander wanted to make sure he got his money. And he knew he played an incredibly great season that year and got paid for it. Zach might not get an opportunity now. Because what if he blows out his arm next year during the season? Oh, what I'm saying is he, he won't be a Super 2 now. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like next year. So he, he not, he's not going to be a Super 2. So next year he's playing under a probably 800K contract. Right. 
because they just have to. Oh, and he gets hurt. Then they he just won't have and, that they, chance. Right, and right, he right. gets hurt, and he doesn't get that deal. I mean, because if I'm the if I'm the Cleveland Indians this off season, I'm like, okay, you want an extension? Here, oh yeah, no, here's can, an extension, no. and it's not going to be what he expected. You can forget that. And he balks at it because I want to get paid, and he goes blows out his arm, and he's never the same, and he never lives up to the expectation of what he had going this year. Like that is what and Clevenger, Clevenger's on that tight rope where he needs to be hit that free agent year soon because he's a starting pitcher. If you don't hit it at a certain time, they're not going to look at you the same. And this Cle- is and not- Clevenger goes back and forth from looking like a stud to ooh, I don't know about this guy. Right. So if he can put, compile a good season at at the right point. He can hit the market and get paid, but now it's an extra season. Looks like, on top of all the time he's pitched already, and we're not even we're ignoring the 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 real reason why the Indian players are mad, because apparently, Zach tried to play it off like it was nothing, and Clevenger snuck snuck onto a plane or a car and drove home. Well, and that's kind of why I brought up, I know when we were talking about football earlier, I brought up the new rule where MLB consulting with Dr. Fauci saying, now we don't need a negative test to come back and play. Okay, the players are all upset about that, but then Manfred comes out, says they consulted with Fauci, and says, no, no, no. After all this mess to get back to playing, after you know delaying and canceling so many games, now if you have a positive test but it's been enough days, you're good. So it's like, we want to punish players for doing this, which, if they break protocol, I'm all for it. They sign contracts, they make agreements. And they should be aware. You're doing this, you're part of a team. You need to look out for everybody you could possibly affect by this. But, now baseball is coming out and saying, oh, no, no, well, we're tired of delaying games. We've kind of figured out you're probably okay if, you haven't been, if you've been quarantined for 10 days. And you can still test positive and come back and play. There's no consistency. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no intelligent thought to any of this. It's just, oh, this guy said this, so now we're okay. And they suspended another season, another series. Right. Uh, who was it? So what, what, what do you want? What, what, which side of the coin are you going with? Like, you're suspending games for it, but then you're telling players they can go back if they're testing positive. It doesn't make any sense. And then, and then, you, have, then you have, you know, the team, and I guess Lindor was uh, very outspoken against both of them, you know, uh, chastising both these players and Oliver Perez basically saying he will leave if they come back. And now, and now, oh, it's okay. They, you know, it's, it's okay. They can go out as long as, you know, not even as long. No, they're fine. We're sure they're fine. It's like, what? Now you're, you're creating inconsistencies and it doesn't make any sense. This is why, one, I'm still... <laughs> Positive that they're not going to finish. And two, why the NFL needs to look at what NHL and the NBA are doing. Because and how many problems have you heard with either of those leagues? Since Lou Williams, nothing. But even NBA. Lou Williams, I mean, he, Lou Williams did something stupid, but he didn't get infected. He wasn't right. sick. Like, he didn't cause any problems. That was, that was the blip on the radar for the NBA. After that, it's been nothing. Right. Nothing. Then players have been leaving the bubble and coming back, and they've Followed the protocol every single time. NHL has been zero problems. MLB, what was the series? The series was um, 
I don't remember which series it was, but it was a different team altogether that, that had an entire series suspended because players were infected. And I'm just expecting any day now to a West Coast team to get infected and then end, end this. See, I, I, I agree, and I, I, I'm actually going to go back on that. I agree with you 100%. I remember saying emphatically a couple episodes ago, there's no way this goes another two weeks. After this new idiotic rule they just put in place that says you quarantine for 10 days, even if you test positive, you can come back, which just contradicts everything, everything that has not only been said since baseball started, but since this whole entire COVID issue started, I mean, literally contradicts everything to a T. They have decided, no matter what they have to do, they're going to fudge the rules to make sure they can finish this thing because there's too much money on the line for them. So, sadly, once again, I'm much like the whole Red Sox winning the East thing. I'm going to say I think I was wrong. I think baseball is going to finish because they are going to make it. They're going to make it finish. So they're going to continue to change the rules. Change the rules to make to, it work To make them. sure that they can go down that line of right. we're going to finish. Right. No matter what, we're going to finish. Yep. And then when the playoffs start, well, then we'll have the bubbles. Because sure. now we're in the playoffs. Right. We have, we, have, we have 16 teams. We can make it work. But right now, well, we're going to force our way. The Atlanta Braves just put Nick Markakis on the IL. Because potentially he got... In fact, they're not even sure yet. Potentially. So they, they sent him home. They brought up somebody else. So now you have the teams who seem like they need to make the hard decisions on on player protocol, not Major League Baseball. Well, Major League Baseball is proven they're not going to make the right decision. Speaking of poor decisions, Chris Woodward, Rangers manager, <laughs> decided to criticize San Diego Padres shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr., Kid who you just watch him play, he loves playing the game. He has fun. He has talent. He is showing, a, a, <laughs> I think, more in the first couple weeks to a month of the season than most people thought he would. And Woodward is mad because of baseball's sacred unwritten rules, oh. which I didn't even know this one existed. I think he's making a trap up, honestly. Supposedly, swinging on a 3-0 count is bad form. Yes. Supposedly, you're supposed to take it. Because... Supposed to take the pitch no matter what. Right. So, and most people know, players know, fans know, on a 3-0 pitch, you're getting a fastball dead down the middle. Right. Bases are loaded, 3-0 count, Fernando Tatis Jr. swings, hits a grand slam, and Woodward is upset because he's supposed to take that pitch. Shut up, Woodward. You're an idiot. Players like Fernando Tatis Jr. are what this game needs. Absolutely. They are what is going to make this game exciting. They are what is going to make this game last more than the next 10 years. Mike Trout is great. Mike Trout's got the personality of a loaf of bread. Now you're, now you're being generous. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm sure Mike Trout is a funny, engaging, nice guy in like one-on-one conversation or like in a group he's comfortable with. But as far as being the face of the game, he clearly wants no part of being the face of the, the advertised face of MLB. Really good dude. Not knocking him. I don't mean any disrespect. But he doesn't want to be front and center as the face of the game. guy like Tatis Jr. comes out, is exciting, is excitable, loves the game, is young, is vibrant, can really, really 
you know, elevate the, the mood and atmosphere of players around him, he is who you need to put front and center to bring this game to the next generation. I am all for some of the unwritten rules. You mess with our guy, your guy gets hit. Take it, deal with it, go down to first base. Okay? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a pitcher getting a little pissed off if they're throwing a no-hitter or a perfect game with an eight-run lead and the guy decides to bunt to get on first. Not against the rules. So if you decide to do that, go ahead. But you know you're going to face backlash for that. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was, uh, who was it? Was it Bob? Uh, I almost said Bobby Bowden. <laughs> it was not a football coach. Uh, it was a coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks when Kurt Schilling still pitched for him. Kurt Schilling had a no-hitter going in the eighth inning. Somebody on the other team bunted to get on first. And it was a big problem because it was like a, they were up by like eight. And not really good form. It's kind of a situation where, you know, we might get a hit, might hit a home run, might get a real hit, but you're doing something historic. You're going to challenge us. We're going to actually try to swing away and hit. We're not going to try to, you know, play small ball. I understand those. This is just idiotic. This is idiotic. You keep playing until the game's over. It is not the player's responsibility to stop playing because the other team isn't doing well and they just want to end the game. It is the other team's responsibility to stop you from scoring, to stop you from getting runs. It is not Fernando Tatis Jr.'s job to stop playing because the Rangers were losing. And and in a shortened season, you need to pull the stats that you can when you can. Yes. Like you're hot, you need you need to stay hot. He has 11 home runs right now. He leads the league in home runs and RBIs. He's crushing it right now. It's like he needs to put up these stats because he needs to secure his future. He could be potentially I, – I don't know the numbers exactly what he would need to be a Super 2. I don't know if he actually has enough qualifications because he did miss a chunk of the season last year. Like I said, Manny Machado had to shift over back to shortstop when he was injured. But the kid's been electric since he came up last year. There was arguments on whether or not the Padres should bring him up or not because in that little game they want every organization wants to play, uh, well, if we, bring, if we bring him up like April 20th, we get that extra year. If the kid's good enough to play opening day, put him in opening day. I just... I want... The players in this league to understand you're killing the momentum you could build from some of these players. They tried to do it to Jose Fernandez as well. They tried to do it right. a, yep. a little bit to uh, Francisco Lenore. They do it to Javier Baez. You want the excitement. You want the thrill of the players playing this game. And we understand it's a game. But they enjoy playing it. And like you said, the next generation is going to feed off of that. Not just playing it in the sandlots. Not just playing it in Babe Ruth League, Pee Wee League. But also watching it and enjoying it. And if you don't if you don't nurture this kind of ball, you're going to turn into what Mike Trout wants and what Mookie Betts, I think, wants. Is we're going to roll the balls out there. We're going to throw, we're going to hit, and we're going to go home. And that's all we're going to do. We're an association here. I just want a little, little test. Okay? Sure. Not, not players you like, but exciting. 
right now, five NFL players who are exciting to watch. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Julio Jones. I enjoy watching him. Um, surprisingly enough, I like watching Travis White. Okay, there's five. NBA, five NBA players who are exciting to watch. Still to this day. Still to this day. I enjoy watching LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, obviously. A little hometown flavor right there. I actually do like watching Joel Embiid because I just think he's so talented. Okay. In in and out of the post. Um, One more. You know what? Curveball out here. I'm not not really a curveball. Luka Doncic from uh, Dallas Mavericks. Sure. Okay. Five MLB players who are exciting to watch. Exciting. Like you are going to turn on the TV to watch them on the mound, to watch them at bat. You're going to tune in to watch them. So, so, uh, um, Fernando, point. Fernando point, Tatis right needs, uh, uh, you know, not to be killed, and maybe he will grow. That, but dude, but, but the, the, the pause rate, I'm not going to edit this out either. I'm going to let that pause. No, no, go, let, let it flow, man. That, edit, that right there, that pause you just had to do. NFL, this was not rehearsed, folks. This is not just to make MLB look bad. That is the problem. Five NFL players. I know if I, if I had told Ben we were going to do this before, I was going to do that beforehand. This was just on the fly. Hey, five players. Would have been no problem. He would have would have been able to whip them off about 30 seconds like he did right there. That was all. That was improv, guys. Same with the NBA. No problem. Five players. He even had reasons behind it. On an instant. And with baseball, the one person he could say is, well, if they don't try to take the fun away from him, Fernando Tatis Jr., it took him longer to get Fernando Tatis Jr. out than it did to get the other 10 players out. And and, and re- all reality, I, I, I wouldn't want to have Javier Baez, but I would have said the same thing about him too. It's like if if they don't try to curb his enthusiasm, and that's not a reference to the show, that's just... Right. I'm like, I have, I have to preface it. Any player I say, I have to preface it by saying, well, if they don't... Like, Jose Fernandez, if... Rest in peace. If he was still here and with us, that would be the only player I would say without any um, um, caveat. I would say Jose Fernandez. But then after that, I'd have to. It'd take you. I'd have to be like, okay, well, 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 if this, if this, you know, this doesn't happen, this. But Jose Fernandez, that'd be the only one because literally, Jose be on the mound, he wouldn't care. He would not care. People like Chris Woodward are the reason with their unwritten rules are the reason baseball is in the state of 10, and it's sad. By the way, the San Diego Padres uh, manager agreed with Woodward. Yeah, well, that, that's sad, too. And that's sad. And not just because he, he, he missed the sign, because he did miss the sign from the third bay coach, but he agreed with what Chris Woodward said. Which well, is then, Chris Woodward and wrong. the San Diego Padres uh, coach are idiots, and Trevor Bauer said it best. The only thing Fernando Tatis Jr. did wrong is apologize for enjoying the game. Correct. And yet, Bauer is 100% right. Tatis Jr. is not in the wrong. And the people who believe he is are the problem with the Major League Baseball. I do want to apologize to Trevor. I would put him on the list, too. Yeah, on the field, you off, honestly. Yes. Anything else? You're good. No, I'm all set. All right. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we greatly appreciate it. And if you have any questions, comments for anything you heard on this show or anything else sports related for that matter, we would love to hear from you. And Ben, we're going to get in touch with us. Oh, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS Pod. 
You hit us up on Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, bctspod.com. All right, once again, having more downloads than ever. That's all because of you guys. Greatly appreciate it. Please keep up the good work. Please keep spreading the word. Please tell a friend. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.